0: Okay, so today we're going to start a new sermon series entitled The Ways of Jesus. And uh, for the next two months, months of May and June, we're going to have several different people come up and share effectively about the life example and um, words of Jesus uh, through the Gospels, perhaps through other scriptures that they can think of in order to teach us more about the nature of God, the nature of ourselves, and about our community and world. And I'm excited about this because this is a huge topic. You know, we could talk about the ways of Jesus from now until he comes again and probably still not cover them all. But um, what I'm excited about is that each of us has an opportunity to share something that's really impacted us about the ways of Jesus in our own lives. So with that in mind, I want us to look at one of the great sermons that Jesus preached, the Sermon on the Plain out of Luke chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to go from verse 37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher." And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrites, First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that it is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. I'm a firm believer that the things that Jesus taught, he did. He wasn't a do-as-I-say-but-not-do-as-I-do type of God. So when he says things like, love your enemies, he demonstrates enemy love. When he says, turn the other cheek, he turned the other cheek. And here he's talking about a subject that we know about judgment judge not and you shall not be judged but as I was preparing I was inspired by the fact that we don't really understand the judgments that form in our own hearts and how we judge naturally other people as human beings we are always making assessments about stuff is that safe Am I going to get run over if if I walk into the road? Is that going to be good for me? Is that going to be bad for me? And that's discernment of a manner. Discernment is when you judge situations, circumstances, objects. Is it worth the massive price tag for an Apple Mac? That's a discernment that you are making, a value judgment, if you like. But judgment, and the judgment that Jesus is talking about here is when we assess other people and assign a value to them. So when we judge, what we're actually doing is this. We are setting ourselves above that person that we are judging, and we are ascribing more value to ourselves, and we are devaluing the person that we are judging. So... I'm t- you know what? In a car, I'm not great. Okay, I need help with this. Because when I, and on, on my bike, I'm even worse. <laughs> Bad drivers. Oh, man. Lord have mercy. I see people driving erratically or dangerously, and I, I'm just, I keep saying, tall! Moron! Whatever else comes to mind. But what I'm actually doing is I'm assuming a position of superiority. I'm better than them. I wouldn't drive like that. And I am devaluing that person in the judgment that I'm making. And here's the thing. God has ascribed unsurpassable worth to every single person. Because he paid an unsurpassable price for every single person. So when we judge in our hearts, we're actually judging the value that God places upon another person, which is why Jesus told us to judge not. It is also the foundational sin of the Bible, because when we're judging, we believe that we know the thoughts and intents of the heart, that we can discern between good and evil, and therefore our judgment is a just judgment. This is what Adam and Eve did. And look how much trouble that got them into and got us into. And judgment is, gets us into the same mess over and over and over. Because you know what? We don't know the thoughts and intents of another person's heart. In fact, I don't think we know the thoughts and intents of our own hearts most of the time. There's only one righteous judge. And his name is Jesus. This isn't new information, folks. But I wonder whether we really understand just how many judgments we make on a day to day basis. The the, the fact that we devalue other people and don't even realize it. Oh, so and so, man, they played the keyboard terribly today. Worship was rubbish, wasn't it? Oh, my goodness, didn't even enter into the presence of God today. What have I just done? I've just made myself superior, made them inferior, and devalued that person without even realising it. Such is the deception that we're walking around this. But I want to show you what the just judge is like. Because even though we are not meant to judge, and I believe that we should hold that very much in our thoughts as we hear this sermon today. I want you also to look at how the righteous judge does judge. So I want you to turn to John chapter, um, John chapter 8 and verses 2 to 12. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery, in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing with him in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now this passage bears some, uh, in terms of what the point that Jesus was trying to make here, it bears some mirroring to the passage that we read in Luke chapter 6 about the speck and the plank. Because when we judge, as well as making ourselves superior and them inferior in terms of value, what we're doing is actually maximising their sin and minimising our own. And in this case, in the book of John now, we can see that this is exactly what was happening. Nobody was aware of their sin except the sin of this adulterous woman until Jesus turned the tables and made them see the plank in their own eye first. First. The lesson of Luke chapter 6 about the plank and the speck. How many specks of sawdust do you think would be in a plank of wood? Anybody got any ideas? Probably billions, isn't it? Millions at the very least. What Jesus is saying to you is this. Don't look at the sin that they've done as, and maximise that. Maximise your own sin. See that as is the, the issue that you are authorised to deal with in my presence before me. And don't go casting judgment on another. I'm just amazed at how easily we do that when we judge. Because we, we're really good at that, you know. We're really good at hiding our sins, aren't we? Let's be honest. So what we do is we, we make a, uh, I don't know, a big deal out of everybody else's sin or national sin or whatever it might be Because it deflects the attention away from the state of our own hearts and the need for us to deal with ourselves and puts the attention on the other person. That is the speck and the plank. I like to see it like this. That the speck in the other's eyes is the offence that they've caused you. But the plank is your judgment of it. I'll say that again. The speck is the offence that caused you to judge them The plank is your judgment of it. Be careful of that judgment. Be very careful of that judgment. Because what I see in John chapter 8 is that Jesus, who was the one that had the right to judge, chose mercy instead of judgment. Who here needs mercy? Who here needs judgment? There will be a time when God judges. The great creeds tell us that he will come again to judge the living and the dead. Frankly, I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't understand it fully. In fact, I I think that very few actually do. But Jesus demonstrates that he is merciful and chooses mercy instead of judgment. And if we're going to be serious as disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to learn to do the same. We need to learn instead of judging, instead of criticizing, instead of pulling people down in order to make ourselves feel better, that we're to choose mercy and release mercy. For with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. I decided a long time ago, I'm going to forgive everybody. I'm just going to forgive every single person that offends me, no matter what happens, because I need forgiveness. A bit selfish when you think about it, but it's true. <laughs> I need mercy. So I am going to be merciful, because I know that in sowing mercy, I'm going to reap it. If I sow judgment against you, and you find out about it, what are you going to do to me? With the same measure that I've used, you're going to measure it back to me. And then we get into friendly fire situations in the church and wonder why so many people are wounded amongst us. This is not the way of Jesus. Friendly fire. We know we've got an enemy to fight. We don't need any more. So I want to encourage you today, lay down judgment. Lay down judgment because you recognize that the intrinsic value of every single person who has been made in the image of God. Whether they're a believer or not, whether they're Muslim, Hindu or anything else, they have been made in the image of Almighty God and has, have access to the payment that redeems them. God had them in mind, as well as us, when he hung on that tree. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me to recognize the value that God places in another person. So because of that, I need to be more careful about the words that I use. Recognizing that God calls me to build up and not pull down. To encourage and not to devastate. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God. As dear children, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. You know, judgment and love are antithetical. You can't love somebody when you're in judgment of them. So, the foundational sin of judgment, of making a judgment, of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil comes against that imperative of love, the great commandment that God gives us. They're antithetical. You cannot love somebody that you're in judgment against. So, yeah, and this is the thing about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We strive against that tree, trying to be better, trying to do more, trying to be more, not recognizing that it's the wrong tree. We're called to eat from the tree of life. we're called to to, to receive from the Holy Spirit who gives us the power of life, not to strive in our knowledge and in our conscience, trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what's good and what's evil, judging others or receiving judgment from others. No, lay that down. Be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit who wants us to eat from the tree of life. He, as the source Him imparting value and worth into our own hearts so that we don't go devaluing others to try and exhort ourselves. Oh, I wish we would get this. This place would be transformed when we walk in this, you know that. It really would. Can you imagine... You're coming in on a Sunday morning and the first thing that somebody says to you is something that uh, affirms the worth that you have in Christ. Something that builds you up in your faith. Something that causes you to smile and rejoice and you reciprocate in kind. Normally when people greet me, and, and this is not a criticism, I'm normally asked about something that I need to do. Or something that have I done something, or have I got this prepared, or, and you know what I find that I do that sometimes too. But wouldn't this be a wonderful place if, when we greet each other, we greeted each other with just a blessing? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, there's real truth in that. Um, well, words have so much power that they can do far more than actions ever could do you know that I have seen people torn down by words without ever, anybody ever laying a finger on them and so internally devastated that they barely recover let that not happen amongst us let that not happen amongst us Let it be said that this is a safe place where there is no judgment, but an uncomfortable place where we're challenged to grow. I would love that for our church. I want that to be, you know, if I could write that on the walls, I would. A safe place where there is no judgment, but an uncomfortable place where we're called to grow. That would be ace. So Jesus commands us to love. Here are some antidotes to judgment. This is a brilliant verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 17. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. In Him. So, antidotes to judgment in our hearts. One, regard no one according to the flesh. <laughs> regard no one according to the flesh. You don't see the full picture. You'll probably never see the full picture. You don't know what kind of day that person's had. You don't know what kind of week that person's had. You don't know the struggles that are in their heart, the sin that they're battling against, the identity issues that they're facing. You don't know You don't know. So why don't we tune in to the Holy Spirit? Why don't we zoom out of that judgment and zoom in to the Holy Spirit and see if we can receive a word of encouragement for them. Instead of jumping on the bandwagon of judgment when other people are gossiping, why don't we zoom out of that and instead incline our ears, zoom in to the holy spirit and pray for that person and lift them up perhaps phone them just give them a word of encouragement build instead of tearing down regard no one according to the flesh see the intrinsic value of every person made in the image of god and the second be quick to forgive any offense that comes in your heart be quick I've shared this before, I'm probably going to end up sharing it a million more times, but forgiveness is of major benefit to you, to the person that does the forgiving. Why? Because the pain of the offence is rendered null and void when we forgive it. When we release forgiveness, we are inviting God's healing into our own hearts, and we are making a commitment not to recycle that pain again. Because hurt people, hurt people. And healed people, heal people. And forgiven people, forgive people. And mercy-filled people, give mercy to other people. I don't want to recycle any of the pain that I've received back to you. Because that, it just keeps this cycle going. Because then you receive the pain, and what do you do? You then recycle it back, and then we get into a war. We may, we may not be throwing punches at each other in church, but certainly wars of words happen. No more. No more. Forgive, even as God in Christ forgave you. Be quick to forgive the offense. And finally, let mercy triumph. Over your judgment. Let mercy triumph over your judgment. Anytime that you're tempted to judge, choose mercy instead. You don't have to be right. You don't have to prove anything. Even if you're right in an argument, you can just humble yourself and ask the other person to forgive you and so diffuse the whole situation. So many times, you know, i have tempted in my own heart that if I want to argue a point with somebody because I am right and they are wrong, there's your judgment call. That's where it starts. I'm right, they're wrong. Therefore, I need to impose my view upon that other person because they are wrong, and I need to expose the error of their ways. You know what? No. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of sin. Convicts us of our righteousness and convicts of judgment. The sin is what? Not believing in him. Of righteousness because he has made us righteous. Of judgment because the ruler of this world already stands condemned. It's the Holy Spirit's job to go convicting of sin to prove himself right. It's ours to release mercy. And let mercy triumph over judgment. And I'll tell you what, we'll win so many more people to the Lord when we're merciful than if we're judgmental. Guarantee it. So, Father, we want to ask that you would help us, because this is a tough thing. Father, we are so conditioned to judge. We're conditioned in our hearts to make judgment assessments on the value of others. Please break that in our hearts. Please cause us to walk in the way of Christ, which is to release mercy and let mercy triumph over judgment. Help us to be quick to forgive, slow to anger, swift to bless. And in doing so, follow your example, Lord, which is the way of life, which is eating from the tree of life instead of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And let that come alive in us, Father, as we think on this this week. And may we be changed by your grace, by the power of your Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen.